0: The use of cover crops could be essential in curtailing future pop-up dust storms. I'm Jody Holtz, in for Cullen Shope. And I'm Kinn. Today is Wednesday, May 24th. And this is WCBU on deck
1: support for WCBU's On Deck comes from Palomar Wealth, providing financial planning and advice for Central Illinois. Introducing Navigating Your Financial Journey, a podcast exploring the concepts of financial wellness with the Palomar Wealth team. Now available on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon. More information at palomarwealth.com.
0: First on deck today, the Catholic Diocese of Illinois have greatly underreported the number of clerics sexually abusing children. That's according to a new report from the Illinois Attorney General's Office. WCBU's Tim Shelley has more.
2: The new report publishes the names of 451 Catholic clerics and brothers who allegedly abuse hundreds of children in Illinois. Previously, only 103 of them were publicly listed by the church. Kwame Raul is the Illinois Attorney General. But it's it's important to not ignore uh, the history of how these matters were handled uh, prior to our investigation. The report turned up 51 clerics in the Diocese of Peoria with substantiated child sex abuse allegations made against them. The report says Bishop John Myers had claimed he lacked knowledge of some allegations and downplayed abuse in other instances. It says he also moved priests to new assignments or allowed them to retire after allegations surfaced. The Attorney General's Office says while improvements were made under the tenure of Bishop Daniel Jenke, the diocese's treatment of survivors under his leadership was, quote, less than exemplary. The only Catholic Diocese recently issued a joint statement highlighting their current process for handling child sex abuse allegations and say they're working to improve transparency. For WCBU's On Deck, I'm Tim Shelley.
0: And here are some other stories we're following in the WCBU newsroom. Pekin has yet another new interim city manager. The council appointed police chief John Dossi to the job. Meanwhile, U.S. Senator Dick Durbin says if lawmakers fail to reach an agreement regarding the country's debt ceiling, the consequences will be felt by everyday people. Find more of these stories and all the details at WCBU.org pop-up dust storms such as the May 1st event that resulted in the loss of eight lives on an Illinois interstate could eventually be curtailed. That's if more agricultural producers take advantage of government-funded programs that help defray the costs associated with adopting sustainable conservation agriculture practices on their farms. This is the conclusion of many agricultural conservation proponents, including Pete Fandel, professor of agriculture at Illinois Central College and a cover crop Specialist with the Illinois Sustainable Agriculture Partnership. He recently spoke to WCBU correspondent Tim
1: Alexander. So there's many reasons why we do tillage, but obviously once you till the soil, you kind of disrupt the surface of the soil. And obviously, then the small particles, if they get too dry and we have too strong of winds, can be moved by either wind or water erosion to a different location. Um, and there's a lot of ways to obviously reduce that. We can do reduced tillage, in other words, less tillage. Um, which then results in more of the previous crops residue being left on the soil surface, which helps protect some of that soil. And then the other option is obviously pure no-till, where you don't do any tillage before you plant. Um, and a lot of times with our, with our early planting dates and cool temperatures, that gets it's a little bit difficult for some farmers to do in certain locations. And then the other option we obviously is cover crops, where we plant a crop or another plant during the off season when our corn and soybeans aren't growing to help kind of protect that soil surface, keep the soil biology alive and kind of hold that soil in place. So if you drive around the countryside and see, you know, a plant growing in the winter time that typically wouldn't be in the corn and soybean field, um, that's probably a cover crop or what we call a cover crop growing out there to help protect that soil, help microbial life in the soil kind of keep the dynamics, uh, hold fertilizer in place or sequester nutrients that might be left from the previous crop. There's there's a lot of reasons to use cover crops and they can be beneficial in the right places at the right time.
2: What are some of the various types of cover crops that are used in Illinois and specifically here in central Illinois? What kind of cover crops do you use on your farm uh, in uh, Woodford County,
1: Pete? Okay, definitely the number one cover crop used in the state of Illinois is cereal rye. Um, it tends to be, in my opinion, a much better uh, cover crop to use ahead of soybeans than corn, but a lot of farmers still do it. Uh, but cereal rye is uh, basically a, um, a grain-type crop, obviously, it produces rye. Um, but again, when we use it as a cover crop, you're planting it in the fall before you harvest maybe or shortly after harvest in the fall. And that plant's going to overwinter as a small, you know, grass plant overwinter and then obviously you let it grow in the spring until you're pretty much close to being ready to plant. In the spring with your next crop, you kill that cereal rye plant and then either quote no-till into there or do some very limited tillage and then plant the crop that you intend to be in that field for the coming year. Personally though, I try to use different cover crops in different fields. I do like cereal rye and rapeseed um, ahead of soybeans. But then typically, ahead of corn, I'll switch to something like either winter barley or triticale, and maybe putting in some radishes or some turnips or other things in with that, or some clovers, uh, depending on the situation, the field conditions, and what potential maybe problem I'm trying to solve in the individual field. Now, do these cover crops actually provide a revenue for your farm? Uh,
2: how, do you, how do you, does the expense for these cover crops just come out of your uh, general? Uh, of farm income,
1: um, I guess when you first, when f- farmers first tried these, probably in the last decade or so, more or less, yes, it was coming out of your own pocket. Um, but since that time, things have developed where there's lots of government programs now to help you cost share. You know, doing new practices like that, um, with the new all the new carbon trading that's going on. And uh, you know some some major major companies and corporations are now basically paying farmers who use cover crops because in essentially if we're growing a crop 11 or 12 months out of the year in a field versus the six months in a corn and soybean rotation we're actually sequestering more carbon in the soil so now we're considering having carbon credits and then obviously some company that maybe is trying to become carbon neutral or that maybe does a little bit of pollution in the atmosphere from burning some you know sulfur fuel or something or fuel source um, they can now buy those carbon credits from farmers that are storing that carbon. So that's kind of a new big emerging market that's been happening the last few years. And I think that trend looks like it's probably going to continue into the future.
0: That was ICC professor Pete Fandel speaking with Tim Alexander about cover crops.
1: Support for WCBU agriculture coverage comes from Growmark and its FS members, your trusted advisor in all your ag decisions.
0: And before we let you go, the Peoria Heights Farmers Market kicks off their season later today from 4 to 7 at Tower Park. And that's it for today. And your coach and um, such And And the show was produced by Holden Kellogg. You can subscribe to WCBU's On Deck podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or the NPR app.